Hi everyone, welcome back to Chat Shit, Get Fit, Chatting with PTs, where we chat with personal trainers from a wide range of backgrounds, getting to understand their approach to coaching, among other things. We also ask some secret questions to get their real honest feedback, but in some cases we do get some pretty comedic ones as well. This week we're joined by Hannah, so just like Sarah from the last episode, Hannah is also joining our primal team as a one-to-one specialist. You could say it's a bit of a female takeover, but in all honesty, it's just a case of us basically choosing the best people for the job, and these two really are exceptional coaches, and we're really, really happy to have them on board. Hannah is an inclusive one-to-one online coach who specialises in exercise rehabilitation, but as you'll soon find out, she pretty much knows it all, and I felt very much the third wheel listening to Tom and Hannah bounce off each other. Uh, but in all seriousness, her approach really is fantastic, especially if you are new to fitness, uh, evidence-based and compassionate. So exactly who you want coaching you to get real, serious, sustainable, which is really important, results. I think we do mention in the podcast, but if you do take a look at her Instagram, link down below in the show notes, she went through a pretty incredible transformation herself, so she knows how tough it can be to make these massive changes. Anyway, that's enough from me. I'll speak to you again in about two hours after these two finish talking. Anyway, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Good evening. Oh, oh. and he said good evening, gentlemen, then. Would have been my turn to put careful, my foot in it. I know. Yeah, it was me last week, wasn't it? Especially after your rampant sexism last week. You made that sound so much. No, no, no. Look, look now you're making our <laughs> guests think I'm a sexist. I was very, you know. I made one comment and you twisted it into some sort of mad feminist rant about it. What did I say? I said, um, I said, oh, I nearly said hello. Was I said I had to change my intro because I had a woman on the previous podcast. And you started making oh. it sound like I was so against having women on the podcast. I was You've like, just done it again. Just say, oh, I had someone else on the podcast instead of going further and going, oh, I had a woman on the podcast. Just all you got to say is, oh, I had someone else on the podcast. But no, you had to define it as I had a woman on a podcast. And now we've got a second woman on the podcast. Women in the fitness industry, in the healthcare industry, how fucking dare they? Who do they think they are? Who do they think they Welcome are? to the podcast, Anna. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but on a serious note, um, we're back again with another uh, chat with PTs. Uh, the last one was with Sarah. Uh, and keeping with the same theme, we've got Hannah on this week, who is also going to be joining the Primal team as our, one of our one-to-one specialists. So although Tom's making us sound like rampant sexists, our one-to-one game on the Primal team is actually ran by women at the moment. Rampantly so, um, sexy. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Me, not you. <laughs> All right, okay. Um, but yeah, serious note, yeah, she's joining, uh, joining us part of the one-to-one team. Um, you probably would have heard in the intro, which I've not recorded yet, but I would have told you all about Hannah and all the amazing things she does in the industry, so I won't go into that. However, I will let you know that at the moment, if you do head to our website, uh, trainprimal.co, we've got two packages you can get stuck into. So we've got a three-monther and a six-monther. Uh, the reason we've done that is, I'm sure Hannah will agree, we think three months is a good amount of time to see see results. We could offer a month package, but you can speak to them on a consultation and maybe arrange that for yourself if that's what you need. But we think three months is certainly um, the right sort of area to get good results. And then six months is what we call on our website the transformation package. It's exciting, right? Uh, because six months is where you're going to really start to see more results. Because we, we believe you need a bit of time to get into it. You know, doing things in a couple of weeks, is not good. it doesn't happen overnight. Fitness isn't a quick thing. As much as all the marketers will tell you, seven-day quick fad diet, you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And that's why we've offered at the moment a three-monther and a six-monther. As I said, if you speak to someone like Hannah or Sarah uh, on our website, 
they might be able to sort something out for you on a more personal basis. With that being said, would, would you agree with what I said there, Hannah? I think uh, James Clear wrote that in his book, isn't it? Like 60 days for a habit change or something? Something like that. Depends what you yeah. think Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's obviously a lot of factors into it. I can't can't label it as one. But anyway, we'll get into we'll get into the juicy stuff now. So I was going to go straight into it. As I said in the intro, I probably would have told everyone all about all about you. Um, what we want to know here is really what are your top three gym pet peeves. I, I'm just going to warn you, we are going to rank these. However, I think Tom, we're going to as Tom alluded to last week. Uh, you might not have heard this episode yet, Hannah. Uh, we've we've uh, we've become a a Christian Minecraft uh, podcast now, apparently, um, as he said last week. <laughs> so we've now, we've now got to become more PC, and unfortunately, I think that means we might have to let go of Jimmy, Tom, from the ranking system. Mm, okay, what do you think? T- what is Jimmy? Yeah, I think it's time to let Jimmy go. What is Jimmy? See, I feel like if we're going to get rid of him at this point <laughs> by explaining him, we might as well just maybe keep going maybe this him. could be the last time we mention Jimmy. Our friend Jimmy, not our friend, your, your, your friend Jimmy. We have a ranking system of how bad something is. Um, if it's not too bad, then we we condemn someone to. What, 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 I can't remember it now, Bill. What the fuck do we condemn them uh, to? Not a night, a night in bed. A night in bed. Is this the worst one? We. Oh, this this is a good one. This, this 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 is if we like it. If it's a nice. So thing. if you like it, you get a good night's sleep. If it's pretty shit. But not the worst in the world. I think is it a an hour's coaching with squat you? Yep. Yep. And if it's the worst thing, oh, no. if it's the absolute worst thing, you've got to spend a night in Jimmy Savile's bed. That, that's what that's that's what I thought you were on about. Yeah, I'd say that. I'd yeah. say that. But to be fair, it was quite a matchup. We didn't know what was worse with the squat you thing and the Jimmy Savile thing. It was a yeah, a lot of debate around that. So I feel like we now we said it, we might as well just go with the flow with this ranking system. Um we might as well just carry on with it now. So, um, Hannah, take it away. Tell us, your, tell us your pet peeves, and we will rank these in our special, very offensive ranking system. See, I've got, I've got, I have got some bias because I'm going to say it from a personal trainer's perspective. I used to work in a commercial gym. Bicep curls in front of the mirror. That that's. Oh. Yeah, I hate it. Talk, talk to us. What, what, what are you thinking? What are you? you? So you've got, you've got the, you've got the rack. And then you've got the benches. There's a there's an appropriate distance between them, and it's when they stand really close. And it's always bicep curls. That's not me being bicep. Uh, not bicep. That's not me being biased. That's a fact. Always bicep curls in front of the mirror, like nose to it, and you can't move past. You can't re rack. You can't get any of the dumbbells. Um. So that's number one. Is that more of an issue? Is that more of an issue of them being in the way, or is it? Yeah. Okay, so it doesn't. It's not necessarily bicep curls. It's just anyone doing anything in front of the mirror, is it? But mostly. Okay. I, I, mostly, I, it's mostly the bicep curls, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's always. What, what, what are you thinking, Tom? Do you know what? At first, I wonder where Hannah was going with this, uh, but actually, it from still working a commercial gym, it is fucking annoying. Um, however, as I said, like from, it is annoying. But luckily, the gym I work in, I don't know if this was done on purpose, but our dumbbell racks were placed in front of the windows looking outside. And what's outside is that as the car park. So no like red-blooded male wants to do bicep curls whilst looking out as the car park. He wants to do it in a mirror, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, do you know what? That is annoying as fuck, especially when you want to get to the rack and this fucker is right 
right there. Like you might as well just be fucking sat down on the rack doing curls. You know, they, they it are. is annoying. I think I've seen actually someone do like a concentration curl hybrid on the rack. Oh, but you actually, know what? On the rack. As well, yeah. Okay. Do you know what as well? I don't know why, but now it's being said, like, yeah, it's annoying when it's any exercise, but I don't know why, but it's just worse when it's a bicep curl. Because a bicep curl is an arrogant exercise. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that. It just is. Bicep curls are arrogant exercises. Yeah, that that is spending a night in bed with Jimmy, that. Really? That, that, that is going straight into you as well. Jimmy. What, what, what about you, Hannah? Are you saying Jimmy? That's, that, that's Jimmy. That's what, like, I can go from you know, loving my workout to I hate everybody here in two seconds flat. If they're if I if I'm obstructed from getting to a dumbbell with someone at the rack curling, I like I'm I'm boiling point. Mm. Well, okay. Immediately. Yeah. So well I, I I feel like I don't want to I'm going to have to agree. I don't want to get on your bad side now, so I think I'm going to have to say yeah, get in bed with Jimmy, I think, at this point. It's bad. Um, it sounds like quite a this sounds I feel like it could actually move up a level to, you know, having an hour's session of, you know, bird dogs with squat you if it had been any other exercise. But just because I've now got it stuck in my head, bicep curls, it's, yeah, it's definitely a night in bed with Jimmy. Yeah. I think that's it then. Yeah. So unfortunately, if you are one of these people and you're out there listening, um, you've got to spend a night with the uh, the one and only Jimmy. Um, Literally. And you deserve it. <laughs> I love I, I love how it's such a defensive ranking system yet every person who's like heard it gets re-involved with it straight away they just they just embrace it and take it what's uh, what's number two let's go straight let's go straight to number two what are we saying number two is the um really loud you know when they're like coming up out of a lift and it's like they erupt like a volcano See, this was said last week with with Sarah. She's but she her one was slightly different. So hers was the ones who um, what is it? The ones who oh, I've worked really hard, crew. So that they like they do like a bit of hit or something, and they just on the mats like rolling around screaming, going, "Oh, that was so hard." So That's what she said. Yeah, no, yeah, no. See, yeah. this would be in the format of like they're on like the lap pull down, and it's the last two three reps, and they're the lap pull down. They're like a kettle okay. going off. What about if they were doing like a one RM deadlift? Would you would you be okay with that? Depends how loud. The volume is important <laughs> at that point. The volume is important. Yeah, okay. Uh, Tom, do you want to give us a demonstration there of what sort of volumes we're looking at? Ah! Yeah, no, like that's, that. yeah, no, that's 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 too much. Is that too much? Is that too much for I'm you? Right. I was just doing a demonstration. Deadlift. <laughs> <laughs> Deadlifts and stuff, mm. but it, you usually see them on like the fixed resistance machines. That's the problem as well. Yeah, the Smith machine. Smith machine. Oh, that, that's another one, isn't it? Um, donkey, donkey kicks on a Smith machine. That can be number three. I've changed it. Oh Jesus Christ! Oh, don't get me started on that. I know this is awful, but half the time, a part of me thinks, wouldn't it be kind of funny if it dropped? It has. I shouldn't think that way, but you know those thoughts do enter our minds. We're all human. <laughs> Sometimes we just want to see people get hurt, even though we don't. Yeah, no. Well, that is definitely getting edited out. <laughs> I, I kind of merged my two and three now because I forgot how annoying it was seeing donkey kicks on a Smith machine. 
We mentioned the Smith Machine on our actual Pet Peeves episode. I don't know if you've heard that one yet, but we did an episode all about Pet Peeves and uh, we did mention the Smith Machine. I think they were with... No, sorry, it was Clips on the Smith Machine, we said. Oh, clips yeah. On the, <laughs> clips on the side. What's the so, um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what that was. Uh, where did we put that? Did we put it... In a straight line? Hmm. I don't think we put it in bed with Jimmy, did we? Because you said you found it funny, didn't you? You said it was... Um, I thought it was more funny it than anything. More mm. funny than annoying. Um, it's just... It's just funny and it's it's sweet, you know. Like you can always tell when someone's new to the gym because they put clips on the Smith machine or on like a plate loaded machine. So you just think, oh bless, you know. I think <laughs> I remember I've, when I was new. Of course, to be fair, yeah, I think I've definitely put <laughs> clips on a plate loaded machine. We've all done it. I, I've done it by accident, you know, at the place I work at. So you know, these things happen, Bill. It's just where it's done intentionally. <laughs> yeah, a non-thinking moment. Uh, let's 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 pull this back to your actual pet peeve, which was screaming. Um, I the only thing, I, the only issue I've got with this with this Hannah is that if we were to put them into bed with Jimmy, I just feel like the noises would be just unbearable. I, I don't want to have to be in a world where that exists, where that with the image of that exists. I feel like that's just it's not good for my mental health. I feel like we need to we need to avoid that. I'm not going to sleep tonight because I've got terrible images in my head now. Of it's your pet peeve. It's your. I, I'm just. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just telling you what I'm thinking. It might be something to do with the ranking system, maybe. <laughs> but, but, then, but, but, but then again, if we give them if we give them a session with Squat U, are they then going to be screaming with the PVC pipe? Because that's even more. That's even or screaming on a bird dog when you're doing like a really hard bird dog. No, an RP ten cat cow. That wouldn't happen because they'd have to keep the abdominal pressure in with some biofeedback device. So Aaron wouldn't let yeah. that happen. So maybe it is suitable there because Yeah, I think see this is why we've got you on because you've just come in and hit us with, with that. Yeah, that that's a really good point. I don't yeah. Which is what maybe I said the last bloody week. <laughs> <laughs> so inside joke, we've kind of been taking a piss a bit and saying like Hannah is like a female version of me. And that's yeah. exactly why. Because I said that exact same thing last week. With the screamers, to me, it just shows that they're not able to brace and hold that intra-abdominal pressure. It shows that they're kind of releasing air at the top of the movement rather than holding it and holding that pressure in. And then what do you know? Hannah just goes and says the exact same thing. So, yeah, I mean, we, we could have been separated, Hannah, at birth. Who knows? You know, I was born in I'm a good, test I'm, tube. I'm my mum, to be honest. Yeah, we're going to have to differentiate ourselves so people don't get confused. I tell, I'll wear a hat. I'll wear a hat. Oh, no, no. And now people are going to know that we are different people. Yeah. Yeah. I actually just coloured on these tattoos before, just so they'd know. Yeah, you could have. Could have. I don't even know what to say at this point. I mean, this this is why YouTube exists, doesn't it? So go over to YouTube and watch this, because this is just... Every week, Tom's... Where'd you get these hats from, Tom? Every fucking week, you've got a new hat. This was a family heirloom. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Right, carry on, Bill. Hannah, I promise this is a um, evidence-based um, health and fitness podcast. We, we are take very, very seriously. Evidence-based podcast. I can see. We are indeed. Um, so some spin on it, isn't it? It's the screamers the screamers with Scott you because as we said Aaron's gonna he's gonna treat them well they're not gonna be able to scream because of that abdominal pressure we discussed he's gonna get them in supine and squeezing his fingers mm. under their I like back. It. that's that's yeah, I like it. it like do not lose contact or you will die oh yeah god yeah the spine will break Tommy 
Tom, you need to take that hat off, mate. I, c- I cannot look at you with that hat on. I apologise. Breathing in is killing your gains, basically. Breathing is killing your gains. Don't breathe. Get a PVC lunch. Only breathe through the diaphragm, except when you only want to breathe through the ribs laterally with some posterior expansion. Even then, to add on to that, I think you need to earn the right to breathe through your lungs. I think we need to regress. We need to regress and breathe through <laughs> something like photosynthesis or something and earn the right. Photosynthesis? <laughs> that is true. If you're doing it through the lungs, you're doing it wrong. You need to be doing it through, you know, the something else. Other places in the body. Yeah. PVC lung. Anyway. Um, PVC lung. Right. Lung. Number three, number three. Let's go. Let's get let's get straight into it. What's what's your third one? Don't, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. What mine was again. This was from a diff, this was from a PT standpoint. Is PTs correct? Like people going around correcting technique grinds my gears. So not even uh, unsolicited unsolicited advice. Yeah. Hmm. And even then, the advice they're giving is something that they've seen from some other shit house who's actually wrong. You know. She said it's very dogmatic thing about there's no no you're squatting wrong. There's only one way we should be squatting, and you're doing it wrong. You're showing some form of variation. You can't be like that. You must squat the one perfect way. You know, you need to be doing the way that I do it. And it's not quite the case. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna add a fourth one here. Hannah, just off the top of your head, but this time talking as someone who let's say if you speak as a physio. Is there something in particular, like if uh, someone comes to you to talk about pain, is there anything in particular there that straight away it grips your shit? It's not necessarily their fault because they don't know any better, maybe, but what grips your shit? I've been told this is wrong, this is dysfunctional. One shoulder's higher than the other, my scapular wings, my knees have valgus, I've got pronated feet, my running gait's awful. Sorry, did you just ask for one? No, go for it. Yeah, there. Go for it. And anything where I've got one leg longer than the other, there's a bit of a theme here. Chiropractors can fix that, Hannah. Don't worry. Yeah, they pull it, pull it out. Distract. It's when they try to distract the hip, and it's like, what are you just like? What are you distract? If you're going to distract it, it would be dislocated. Distract a hip. That's a that's a new. One. I've never heard that one before. Not, yeah, but the thing is, it, they don't even pull from the hip. You're pulling from the ankle, and then you've got obviously the knee. And mm. hip, and then that's just kind of reductionist because the hip is like sucked in anyway. I actually saw a video on that recently where it was like a cadaver, and um, it was showing you just how powerful the suction of the hip actually is in regards to that. And it's just like it was pretty gross watching it, but it was still amazing. Studies the cadaver studies. Have you seen the one where they're breaking the spine and it's not? Oh, no, I, they're literally that was definitely a cadaver, they, they weren't alive. No, no. Clarify. Okay. Science does weird things sometimes. Sometimes science is unethical, but we know we've got to know these things. I feel like a um, a third wheel this week. I feel like you two just crack on. I'll just sit back and listen to you two bounce off each other. These these fantastic um these fantastic ideas. I've uh, I've I've put myself like a word limit this week, you know. So I'm gonna let the the twin do the talking basically, because obviously she's a lot Love more it. qualified than me in this kind of stuff. And to be honest with you, it's just nice to actually. I don't want to say that I'm in an echo chamber, but it's nice to hear someone that has the same kind of uh, thought process as myself. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's kind of frustrating because obviously I know where Bill with yourself and Train Primer, etc. I was a person that originally like, introduced 
my beliefs of pain and injury and more the pain science kind of stuff. I was the person to kind of introduce it to you guys and half of the fucking British army at this point I've kind of influenced, but whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. But I mean, uh, it's it's good to have Hannah on who's actually got the credentials to actually be talking properly about this stuff. And yeah, that's awesome. So I'm, I'm happy to let Hannah run with it. Uh, I think I've gone like 10 words over my word limit. So yeah, carry on guys. Yeah, Hannah, I'm just going to go make a cup of tea. If you just crack on the rest of the podcast, I know you haven't actually seen the um, the notes, but if you just put, if you if you just just show us your skeleton collection for the next twenty minutes, and um, I'll, I'll be back in a bit. <laughs> I think they're correct. I honestly don't. I feel like there's extra digits in some of these. Are you like me? Did you get yours off of Wish? No, this is this. this I just don't understand this scapula. This was off actually like an NHS website, but they're not very good. Wish, wish I'd probably end up with like an alien skeleton or like a dog skeleton or something. I mean, this is my wish spinal cord, and to be honest with you, that's probably the most neutral-looking spine I've ever seen. In fact, it's gone beyond neutral; it's ramrod straight, isn't it? It's not very. That mobile, is like though, a. Is it? It's that. Oh, it's not mobile at all. I mean, it is rigid. Uh, that is like a squat you wet dream. This is like <laughs> the definition of. Stu McGill's Endgame, basically. I'm talking about Stu McGill, so I'm going to put the hat on to learn my credibility. I don't want to get sued by anyone again. But yeah, this is like the Stu McGill ramrod, perfect example of how the spine should be. And it's not a pig spine either, apparently. Could be the size of a baby pig, I don't know. I'll tell you what, Hannah, how about if you cover, just let's go from the beginning. Like, what first got you introduced to like the, the, I don't want to say the fitness industry, but the health and fitness industry? Where was the beginnings for you? Um, so basically, I was a bit cliche. So I lost a lot of weight, and I thought I want to help people lose. No, actually, I've, I've seen those pictures, Hannah. Well, it's incredible what you did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, um, if it, I mean, I'll link I'll link your Instagram in the um the show notes so people can actually see the sort of transformations that she she went through because it was it's pretty incredible. Uh, I it's the sustainability honest. as well that was impressive. Mm. What was mm. the sustainability as well? Yeah. And that's another thing because these days you can't. It's inevitable weight regain. Yes. Which is um, a very self-fulfilling prophecy if you let it happen. Um, but I actually I didn't want to help people lose weight, so I lost a lot of weight. I ended up feeling bad at a low weight, and I thought I want to make people feel. I know that you can feel crap at both sizes, so I want to help people get into health and fitness. And I always kind of stuck out in a commercial gym anyway, but obviously my background wasn't from exercise. So I had to kind of, you know, say if you've got someone who's always trained or you've got someone who's always done this. I was always a better PT in how I was with people versus my exercise selection. Yeah. I did I did loads of um I actually I jumped onto an Olympic lifting course that I never did I never did that I never did it um and I went to uni because I thought you know the, the world's your oyster now Hannah and um I always make people feel better across more levels because I, I had people come to me with back pain or rotator cuff tears and I'd be like yeah you, you need some glute bridges for that back pain um and then like I've had clients clients who would be really fear avoidant of movement and I just thought it would tie in quite nicely because obviously I'm not really that much weight focused I take a very neutral approach and I just like help people with the problems that they present to me and I was having a few people present um with injuries 
So I went to university and it was all well and good. I was doing the FMS, uh, Y balance. I was doing all these kind of, and I believed everything. I was like, literally like, oh my goodness, we really need to get people doing these balance tests. That's like really sports specific. Yeah. Standing on a wobble board. Um, and then <laughs> my world just went upside down and I started reading the literature and I was like, nothing makes sense. But what matters is, is that you've read the literature and you was willing to say, holy shit, something's off with my beliefs here. I yeah. need to kind of look into this a little bit more because there's something we kind of spoke about before, but a lot of people, and it, it tends to be like when people pass their certification or they get qualified for something, whether it be fitness or health, and they end up at the very top of that Dunning-Kruger hill. And the vast majority of, let's say, personal trainers in particular, the vast majority never tend to leave the top of that Dunning-Kruger hill. No, just stay there and then eventually some of us will fall down that but then that's when the real learning kind of begins uh pretty much everything you've just listed there um from bosu balls to and that's going to surprise bill from bosu balls to fms functional movement screening etc that that was me all over um first sessions you know i had in my head that i need to kind of like find what's wrong with people yeah yeah, that was that was me all over. We've all been there. We've all been there, haven't we? We did it across all all professions. So, like, if you find people that if you are into your movement things, you'll put that on your client. So you'll get your client doing movement screens, and they just want to be able to play with their kids, or they just want to yeah. feel about themselves, or they want a better relationship with food. And we're there, like, oh yeah, t- touch your chin to your chest and put your arm behind your back, and mm. um, you. It's the same when you get people who. Uh, coach people like just CrossFit, or they coach people just like a powerlifter, or they coach people just like a physio, and we end up trying to make mini me's. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. A lot of time we take the kind of the enjoyment away from exercise with that, and with things like functional movement screens in particular, we end up creating more problems than what we think we're trying to solve. Yeah, <laughs> the thing is as well, they say it's for more sporting populations, but what sport are you talking about like why do we need a hurdle step in you know yeah. like swimming why do you need why do you need to know your overhead mobility if you're you know not bothered about olympic lifts etc <laughs> i mean i'll tell you what this is gonna i want to quickly give an example of something that's happened recently with a conversation i didn't you need to grab onto your skeleton there hannah because it's probably going to grip your shit but um okay, i i had a one personal trainer say to me, I will not let someone squat with weight until they can prove to me that they can do a plank for a certain amount of time. And to me, that was just a massive red flag. Like, I can, I can understand your thought process if you were completely new to this game, but it's like, how the fuck are you getting like a one or two minute plank and comparing that to like a squat? A, a, a squat it's like completely different movements you no know, um that's another one though i thought you were going to say you know what it's like you don't you don't have the right to put i hate that term you don't, don't have the right to, to load your squat until you can do perfect body you should see my body weight squat it's horrendous but my, my goblet oh squat, mine's my awful squat are great and they're like you can't do that until you've got perfect 10 reps of body weight squats. Like, oh, it's not like the centre of mass changes with load, is it? Oh, God. Or or worse than that is when people start comparing how 
how babies squat compared to adults. Uh, you know, it's like our proportions are completely different. When you're a baby, you've got a head like a fucking pop vinyl figure. The you know, <laughs> is in their head. They've got like yeah, it's just easy as well, isn't it? They've got really short levers and long bodies. Is that right? Yeah, and then they're trying to yeah. shame like adults, like why aren't you squatting as good as this? You know, <laughs> one year old. <laughs> it's just bizarre. It, that's the most bizarre comparison. That yeah, there is. I mean, um, but yeah, that 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 term you just used there, that is probably one of my biggest pet peeves. Is oh, you need to earn the right. And usually, it's uh, it's something completely irrelevant to the movement as well. So, as I said, you're like comparing a body weight plank to a loaded squat. It's like it's complete, completely two different movements. I could kind of see from a normie point of view, if people comparing, oh, you need to be able to squat your body weight before you start doing a barbell movement. I completely disagree with that, but I at least understand their line of thinking at first before I need to kind of, you know, realize that they're still talking shit. But to compare something like a plank to a barbell squat to me, it's just, it's just you know, it's just creating a fear of exercise. But then movement. It's like bird dogs for powerlifters. It's the kind of apples and oranges, isn't it? <laughs> Let's um, leave it there. Before we jump, we jump, we're going into. Oh, I won't yeah. spoil it. I won't spoil it. I've, I've just been sitting there quite quietly, and it's um, it's, it's just interesting listening to you two sort of bounce off each other. So it's lovely. I should give you your own sub series. But you um, can you can see that, the the point we're kind of make here is that there is like yeah, a lot absolutely. of. Uh, yeah. People think that they come from a good place with these functional movement screens and they think they're, they're trying to prevent harm. A lot of trainers think they're trying to prevent harm by trying to find dysfunctions or they're trying to build you up to a, like a squat by doing these planks first. But in reality, you're actually creating more problems because you're creating a fear of movement. Do you sit down when you go to take a shit? If yes, then just put a barbell on your back. We ain't got to go crazy and put 200 kilos on there, you know. But, you know, you can still load the movement. It's just a natural movement. Yeah. Sorry, Bill, continue. I'll sit quietly with my hat. I love this. This is this is um this 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 is what I expected the podcast to be of you two, anyway. But um yeah, I was just sitting there listening, thinking, um, you could probably appreciate now how hard it is to find like when I was been looking around for like PCs for this primal project going on, it's very hard to find people with that right mic because you, you look online and there's just so much of this bullshit. Like you two were just discussing that there's so much of it and it's very hard. Like, like what is it? Sarah said last week when she works with um, Joe Wicks's body coach app. Um, it's not obviously Joe Wicks running the thing. He's obviously the name on the top. He's the one who runs it. But the people below him, because he's got no quality control, they were just going rogue. And then she ended up losing yeah. her cycle for three years because because they were going rogue with it. So that's that's what's been going through my head. Whenever I've been thinking, right, who do I want on this team? Who do I want here? Because I don't, I don't want a situation like that where there's no accountability because at the end of the day, it's the person at the top who should be held responsible. Um, and as you two just basically went on to, it's, that just shows you that it's so hard to find the right people because it's um, mm. there's a lot of fucking shithousery out there, I, being honest. If um, I look at the fitness industry, I, I wouldn't let the majority of people come near. I always think, if I'd let you train my mom, you're a good PT, and I wouldn't let anyone train my mm. mom. Mm. Yeah, yeah, well, that's fair enough. Um, Bill, Bill's asked me uh, on a few occasions. Do you know personally? Do you know any good personal trainers? And I said to him, I've, you know, I'm probably going to piss off all three of the people I know that listen to his podcast. But um, I just told Bill straight, I, I would not trust them 
to train anyone, to be honest with you. Well, you, you recommended uh, Hannah first. That's why I spoke to her. Oh, yeah, I recommended Hannah. Oh, that's yeah. One. Yeah. I meant people I know personally, personal trainers, people I've worked yeah, with, yeah. people that'd be desperate to get a job, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. And that's not the sort of people, that's not the sort of people want in our, in our sort of um, yeah. team, so to speak, because it's, it's very easy to tell someone, oh, yeah, we need you for this, and they can just be like, yeah, sounds great, but... It's, it's, it's difficult it's, as you said it's very hard to find people that you actually trust to like train your mum for example yeah. Um, yeah um i want to i want to get into kind of how lock because obviously we're still we're coming to the end of that covid pandemic now and i think it's quite interesting we asked we mentioned it to sarah and she obviously had quite a thing a few things to say like what happened with you during lockdown like how did it affect you with your pt and did it, did it... I will win. um really okay lockdown i took my clients out the gym before the first lockdown um so i already had a system in place i, I knew the gyms were closing um it was inevitable so it's about one or two weeks before I took everyone out and I actually just increased rather than getting from doing all these zoom workouts all the time they already had a lot of equipment so we could maintain most of their strength um it was okay for lockdown one lockdown two was okay as well we did a lot of focus on training um and we all I also increased their sessions to like a 15 minute just chat every week because uh, obviously social connection is massive. Um, so we actually ended up just having a lot of chats. Um, mm. Do you know what? I think that's so – I've noticed I've had a few people join our um, like Train Primal, the community membership. Not So not the one-to-one stuff, but like the we've obviously got the community memberships like quite cheap. I've had people join that, like join the Facebook group, and then they've kind of not even done the training – but they, yeah. might not, they might have dropped a message in, they might have said something like hello, or they might be just like, I could see they're obviously looking at the posts on the Facebook group. I think some people just like being part of a community and just having people to yeah. bounce off, engage with. Like, because as you said, that's so, especially the times we're in now, that they might not so, want to, they might do a bit of training here and there, but just being able to talk to someone who you know you can, you, you can just, they'll, they'll be able to open up to you, someone who actually yeah. wants to talk to you. I think that's a nice feeling. And um, I think it, you know, a lot of people, some people really struggle. So, I'd would it would be generally just changing on a weekly basis what's important, what's priority, and it might have been sleep, nutrition, you know, social connection. Can you speak to your friends? Do you need training, or do you need to just get outdoors and get your heart rate up a little bit and get outside? Um, this lockdown, third lockdown, I didn't want to make people lose the love of training. By it's winter, it's cold, it's awful. Yeah. So, again, I just took that approach really, and just kind of bit, we were quite gentle with it. And now my clients are back in the gym, and it's completely different. And they've got that; they've maintained that love of training, which was really mm. important. That's really, that's really, that's really awesome. I mean, the good thing about that is it kind of shows like uh, the good aspects of a coach. It isn't just a practical side which is here's an exercise, do this, or here is your programming, do this. Sometimes it's about having that uh, compassion. It's about having that reassurance as well. And, of course, providing that education as well. You know, it's not always just monkey see, monkey do with a coach. It is about that knowledge side of things. And also just having, I don't want to say accountability, but um, well, that can help, but just that reassurance. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's It's almost like life coaching, isn't it? 
yeah, you look at things like we were having a conversation about uh, holistic coaching the other day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I do take a holistic approach because it you've got you've got the fitness, you've got the training, but what are the barriers? What are the barriers to your nutrition? Because it's not just give someone a calorie goal. It's overcoming all these things. Um, and obviously, when you look at the big concepts, I tried to work on all those things. So we'd, we'd work on those most weeks. That was a little chat we had the other day, wasn't it? So we was kind of saying like, uh, when you say holistic, like kind of like, you know, mind, body and soul kind of thing. But I think a lot of the time what happens is people bastardize the term uh, holistic, don't they? Yeah. So for a lot of people, and me, me included, you know, I'm I'm when I hear holistic, a certain you know set of things pop into my mind which is usually like uh, the appeal to nature fallacy etc so i think pretty much what we've been tearing apart for the past month so things like acupuncture and cupping i think of detox teas but you know as i said that's that's holistic being stolen and you know kind of being pushed towards that kind of end but then holistic as, as you kind of said you know mind body soul etc you know it does have like a validity to it social connection yeah exactly um time money away from yeah away from that kind of physical kind of realm of things yeah so in that regard yeah holistic approach is awesome and to be honest with you i need to kind of like change my beliefs and get away from that where i only see it as all the things i previously mentioned acupuncture it's cooking mm. when they're like look at these inflammatory markers that really gets me oh yeah the older <laughs> chairman male treatment which yeah it's bizarre you should listen to that episode Hannah. it's a cracker that one um i think it'll be triggered definitely we treat, yeah no. we're not we're not kind of yeah yeah, yeah if, if you're worried about getting triggered i won't listen to it um yeah yeah or if you're a communist or if you're a simple if you're a, a communist sympathizer maybe not listen to it <laughs> it does have a point to it trust me i'll give it a go anyway um let's move on to the next point so what i want to know Hannah, what is your favorite part of being a pt Connections. I I feel like um, seeing so many people, the impact you have on them. Like me and my, uh, me and one of my clients today, we were doing, we were training, but we were also talking about all kinds of different spectrums and belief systems. We were talking about like limiting beliefs and self-fulfilling prophecies and how you can just ha- engage in these good conversations with people. And I think it depends on what kind of training you are. But again, I I kind of I'm like the people's kind of friendly trainer. Who, the people's champion. The people's <laughs> champ. I'm the MVP. No, I'm not really. Um, and it's, again, developing relationships and really helping people find solutions to things that they're struggling with. Well, I feel like that's what should be the favourite part for everyone being a PT, but we obviously know that's not the case. Um, yeah. Some people just love to spend months on a PVC pipe. We won't name anyone. I think everyone knows who we're talking about by now. Telling people what to do for the sake of accountability when really we want autonomy, not accountability. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The job really is to kind of make yourself um, – what's what I'm looking for here? Employed. Uh, yeah, yeah, employed, but you're, you're supposed to make yourself uh, – oh, fucking hell, Bill, help me out. It begins with a D. We are no longer required. Redundant? No, not redundant. That sounds fucking horrendous. That sounds like I'm expecting a P45. <laughs> Fuck's um, sake. I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> I know I know, I know, what you mean, though. Yeah, I mean, because as, as you said, obviously, you want to still be employed. But my, my view would be 
if you're doing these, like I've said, we do the three month and the six month, if you do your job correctly in that time period, the results will speak for themselves. You'll get a constant flow of new clients because yeah. the results are what that person's now done. They've got the education they need. They've got the results they wanted. They can now move on uh, their self. They, they, know, they know how to continue. And then someone else will see it and go, I want to do that. And then they'll come in. And then you just got that cycle. That's how it should be. It shouldn't be like you trying to hold on to this one person yeah. for ten years. Like yeah. you need me. I you need me to you need me to coach you for life because you will fail without me. That's if someone's telling you if a PT tells you that they you like you need them for life, then you need to fucking walk away because that's that's like <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of like what Hannah said earlier is, um, you know, it is about building that autonomy. You know, you build up the client's self efficacy. You give them the confidence to know that they they have faith in what they're doing uh, when we talk about sustainability like the more self-efficacy someone has the more intrinsic motivation they tend to have and the more the more confident you are with your belief that you're doing something correct you know or your belief in doing something the chances are the more you kind of stick to it yeah which will then kind of lead to that autonomy I think as well with them obviously how we live these days our environments are always changing so as well it's people can stay with you long term because well you know how many things do we always have to work on loads yeah and how do we adapt to this changing environment because say if someone's finding it easy to train on their own with autonomy and all these things like you say for a year but then they undergo a massive job stress or a job loss or they've got a child you know it's guiding people in the right directions and again when you've got that those connections with people you know they enjoy going to the gym I think sometimes we get too caught up in numbers and yeah practicalities like you said we forget about the experience yeah obsolete that's the word I was looking for that's a big of a detail no, I don't know why I thought it was D. <laughs> I was just thinking about the D. I had the D on my mind. Uh, but I yeah. knew you were going to say I knew you were going to make that fucking joke. <laughs> but uh, no, op- the guys kind of make yourself obsolete in the end by building that self-efficacy. That would that would have kept me awake all night if I'd not thought about that. That would have run into tomorrow's shift. That would have absolutely killed me. <laughs> I would not have got my eight hours with that on my mind. Hannah, we'll move on to the the final part before we get into our secret questions, which um, I'm sure you're looking forward to. Um, basically, for people who might be listening out there and thinking, "All right, maybe I want to work with you on a one to one basis," what I want to kind of you to give a bit more meat on the bones is more. I mean, you've obviously kind of gone into it quite a lot already there, but is what's your like direct approach to PT and so how do you work for a client from day one? What is your vision and aim to with that client uh, throughout your sort of individualization? Is my bread and butter. Um, so I couldn't I do this a lot like people ask me on my stories like what's this what's this and it's I don't do generalization um it depends it, it depends on the person so if they're presenting to me with a problem I'll, I'll target that specifically but because we're so different so some people we might just get them less stressed out and try adapt that you know like working with have you ever worked with people in the NHS I probably have at some point. Yeah. So <laughs> training shift workers versus training basically. Oh god, yeah. Like a PT. Yeah. It's it's seeing people, what are the barriers to their problem? So we break down the but the training's the easy bit, you know, program design, it's easy. 
Mm. Yeah, to be fair, you make a good you make a good point because I just that just made me think. One of our uh, members is um, she's on one of the community based programs. So obviously, it's not tailored. It's like the, the sort of generalized one, as you said. But that's obviously a different target audience. But she's in the police, yeah. so that's obviously quite a that's shift work. And mm. I've spoke to her numerous times, and you know there'd be cases where she had a really hard day where it's got quite physical, as you can imagine. The police yeah. strip this back. Don't like don't don't kill yourself. Obviously, ideally, you know it'd be ideal for her to be in a one to one situation. But we all know that. Barrier, financial barriers are obviously a real thing. I mean, you can't say to someone, well, one-to-one's the best. You need to pay you have to X, pay. Y, Z for that. This, yeah, this, it's so that's the only way to be healthy and fit. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. It's bollock. Yeah, yeah, so that's what we've obviously got the community stuff to open up that doorway to people who want to pay a bit less. But I'm still happy to talk to them. I mean, she she's come to me with problems before. We've had. I'm happy to have discussions with people who, who reach out. If the more you give to me, the more I'll give back. That's how I... Yeah. You know. I uh, I used to be really anti generalization and I was very biased to individualization and I was like the only way the only way to do it is specifically this and then I thought you know what if that person is going to body pump three times a week just because I think it's crap it's better than it is better than sitting on the sofa mm. it, yeah you're right yeah and um like your like you have a community based program which would be even better than these things because you've actually got the good foundations mm. there i think that's the yeah. problem is a lot of um you know like pt's guides and stuff um some of them are just so random it doesn't make any sense and that's why i held a lot of bias but now i'm like you can actually help people on a wider mm-hmm. scale you actually need it yeah um but yeah, shift workers are really because the circadian rhythms all over the place and the sleep yeah. all over the place. So it's trying to deal with those things, and then sometimes you like you think, oh, you have to follow this kind of periodization, but really, yeah, you are following their shift pattern. There needs some kind of flexibility to it, basically, yeah. don't you? Um, I was laughing to myself there because what you said, <laughs> once again, going into that thing about how you've got uh, a mindset similar to mine is what you just said about body pump was pretty much exactly my line of thinking about three years ago. I ended up, I was, I hated body pump and I was one of those people that I, cause I was such an elitist with what I did. I used to shit all over body pump. And then eventually when I started looking at things like uh, barriers to exercise and what motivates people intrinsically, I've relaxed. I thought to myself, you know, I need to stop being a fucking dick here. I just need to think, you know what? If people enjoy it, that's what matters. It's not my cup of tea. It's not as, effective as a proper periodized program but if it gets people off the sofa fair enough so that gave me a giggle there because that uh yeah that took me back a bit there but i mean um I say that's reductionist but it, it's really not because if you look at the barriers to health it is yeah simply better than sitting on the sofa a hundred percent that will increase you know loads of things for them I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not keen on body pump, but that's just me and, and my biases. Yeah. But for some people, the motivation is having someone tell you exactly what to do. And the motivation might also come from being in that group setting as well. Community do you know what I mean? really important. Community, um, yeah. especially when it's fitness is inaccessible in a lot of cases, having that community and tight-knit. I, I, I didn't realise until this pandemic how important social connection is to health. Mm-hmm. it really yeah. is and your fitness and it, it's a huge huge thing that's actually kind of why we started the podcast wasn't it bill you know this was around a time when you know you, you couldn't even go and see your own parents <laughs> and we pretty much did it just to kind of keep in touch with each other and it just kind of took off from there accidentally 
now we've got more pe- more than like just family listening to it <laughs> oh yeah yes it's doing quite well um, i mean that's obviously the whole foundation of everything is it the podcast and then trend yeah. primal was built on that foundation of community as well obviously we're now branching out into other things because that's how businesses grow but that was how it was started in the first place community like you said how important it is and yeah. I just want to quickly touch on another thing. Uh, something that you, you, you keep uh, kind of alluding to as well. Well, I say alluding, you have mentioned it blatantly, and that was like talking about like barriers to exercise, uh, not just exercise, but let's just say health in general, barriers to health and movement. And like saying how we kind of need to break them down or at least maneuver around them. And this is another, once again, I'm having a little giggle because this is exactly what I kind of uh, talk about as well is breaking down barriers etc which sometimes means to kind of stop that elitist mindset because we put people off in sometimes we kind of create barriers so let's look at some of the big fitness accounts out there they're inadvertently they probably don't realize they're doing it but some of them put barriers up i mean all right fucking let's cut out the bag people like athlete necks let's say who was who was seen as the gold standard by a lot of people but how many Whenever you see someone do an upright row and you look at the comments, chances are you're going to see a comment in there saying, Athlinex says this gives you shoulder impingement. How many barriers has this, Huge. this, this, this message had? Huge, isn't it? And especially, you, you notice that actually when people kind of hit 50, a lot of us have shoulder impingement. Yeah. It, it's inevitable. Yeah that it's going to happen for anyone anyway. So they're going to think, I'm not going to, and it's not just, I'm not going to do upright rows. I'm not going to train my upper body. I'm not yeah. going to do any exercises because that's bad for my shoulders. Or my, uh, my favourite, Hannah, is, uh, oh, I've not got a lot of time to train my shoulders. I've not got enough time for my external rotations of a dumbbell. Since I ain't got the time to warm up with that, I'll better just chin shoulders off completely. Yeah. You know? Oh, God, God help us that we go straight to a barbell and just start, Lifting over our heads. No, I fuck. I've got to spend like ten minutes. This warm up crew. This warm up. Why do people make it so? Com- if someone told me you've got to do forty minutes of mobility exercises and what? Do you know how I warm up squat? I just squat. Empty barbell. Off you go. Bosh. What? It's <laughs> when they're there with their like. I don't do any of the ramp stuff. I, you know, I'll get. I'm usually. I'm quite always on the go. So my heart rate is always up anyway. I'm riding, yeah. Riding the cortisol wagon. No, not really. But um, <laughs> when, like, if if I came to a session and my PT as well was giving me like 15 minutes of a warm up, I just tell my clients to arrive early, get their heart rate up a little bit, and then we'll go into some movement. Like, why do you need to make it so boring? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the squats, things like, uh, yeah, ex- got externally rotate your legs, banded pull aparts with your legs, and all this stuff. Well, we did a whole podcast of this, didn't we? Remember back in the Nith series, we did a we did a whole episode on warm ups because it was just like it got to a point where you just every day you'd see someone in the gym with like a theragun for twenty minutes. It's, mate, I see it every like, day. <laughs> do you know what I actually did? I had snapping hip syndrome a few years ago. And then, actually, do you know how I treated it? It was eccentrically loaded exercises. Um, but anyway, I actually followed Scott University and I, uh, on the Olympic platform, got a band to it and I did try to distract my hip and I still couldn't squat. Oh, God. Is that when you're kneeling down? Yeah. And the band goes around and kneeling on the rack and you, you ah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I got it right up in the hip joint. So the band. So I was there for like five minutes and I was like, I was like, why am I doing all these hip external rotation exercises? Well, I could just be squatting. <laughs> I had a few, I diagnosed myself from Squat You 
with snap and hip syndrome. But then I also did think, oh, actually, no, I think it is hip impingement. So um, mm. still don't know what it is to this day, but it only bothers me at end range abduction. So why am I bothered? That is uh, one of the things that worries me as well, is a lot of those kind of channels and those people have people self-diagnosing themselves. So what I said about the shoulder impingement, I remember whenever I used to get, this is when I was a big Athlean-X fanboy, if I so much as felt a slight twinge in my shoulder, I was like, that's me fucked. I've got shoulder impingement now. I've got to take <laughs> my, I've got to rest my shoulders now for the next month. And, uh, yeah. Um, when I, the one time when I build, do you remember when I looked like fucking, like I was starving when I dropped a really low body fat percentage Yeah, I remember. Yeah. and my shoulders were absolute dog shit. There was no cap whatsoever. And that's because around that time I thought I was constantly getting shoulder impingement. And because of that fear, Whenever I felt a slight twinge, I'll take even more time off. And it was like a big fucking snowball, one big nocebic snowball. There you go. That's a good shirt for you, Bill, a nocebic snowball. This is the thing, though, that I feel like we try to pick out these things. We try to say all these things just to make us sound more intelligent. So there are some people in the world who think that Athlean is um squat you were really really intelligent because you know i could say to you and it's confirmation jargon it's confirmation bias if I, if you tell me your shoulder hurts and i find something wrong with it you're like yeah there was something wrong with it i mean hannah just off the top of your head if i was to say if i was to come to you and say oh i was ex i was doing overhead press my shoulder hurts could you give us an example of how you could just bullshit someone by throwing out loads of different terminology uh, so you, you, you're basically you're at the weakest point there. So you've not done your two minute plank. You've got kind of externally rotated shoulders with an anterior glide. Your scapula's winged at the back, and your scapulohumeral rhythm isn't accurate. So we've got to do. Tom, mate, you might as well not train on the fucking head at this point. You sound <laughs> fucked, mate. I'm actually starting to feel pain just, and I know I'm the one that's introduced it. <laughs> This is so. Um, I've got an, I've got an exam in July, and I'm going to go down like I'm going to go down in history because I'm just going to slay them apart. They want me to talk about the FMS, but I'm actually just going to talk about how language is Love important this. because they want us to come out. Where's this? Oh, this is my last university exam. So you're going out of a band, basically. <laughs> I'm going out of a band. I'm a first. I, mean, I usually get first, but I'll fully. Are they um? Are they selling? Are they selling tickets? Are they or? It's gonna go down. Okay, so just burn burn all your bridges on your last day. Fuck it. it, it, it <laughs> Mic drop. They they um. I kind of stunned the lecturers though because they're all biomechanics and passive therapy based. So I'll literally come in with some like latest evidence, and I'm like, okay, so why are we just following the biomedical model? And they're like, mm. so, um. So one of the lecturers, bear in mind, this is someone who's teaching generations. Of, yeah he said oh that's that's a bit of a what did he call it that's a bit controversial isn't it as in it was a bit of a joke like that's not a thing what the bsp model the biopsychosocial yeah. model yeah he called Fucking it controversial well, did he give a reason or did he just say that was there a reason, for the, reason back the that he picks out diagnoses and kind of treats people for biomechanical issues because it didn't fit with his bias basically it didn't so. fit his bias Earlier on in the podcast, I was going to say, oh, yeah, there was something I wanted to ask you. And basically what I was going to ask you was, you know, 
as someone who's kind of going through physio, like uh, learning to be a physio, etc., and like uh, you're taking the BSP kind of route and you're learning about things like pain science, etc., how how are you finding that when the kind of current narrative in the in in the the current narrative is very biomedical driven but to be honest with you you've kind of just summed it up for me there but what what is that like yes it's been really hard because I, I, I get really high grades and um I have to study extensively I have to to get those grades I have to say how I would use manual therapy but I have to remain critically thinking and not. Apply. So you're playing the game, basically, is what it sounds yeah. like. You're playing the game to get what you need to do. Like most people, I get you mean. Only, only in my written work, though. So in, in, I'm yeah. very confrontational, but in a good way. So I'm like, oh, why yeah. is this? So like, why does why are we talking about offloading the gastroc for some dorsiflexion for the tip? So as well. So for example, do you know? how eccentrically loading tendons is quite good for rehab the nordic hamstrings are popular at the moment eccentric nordic hamstrings yeah, yeah. so yeah. um i go against my own bias so some stuff so if you the posterior tibialis exercise doesn't work for if you've got a tendonopathy eccentric exercise isn't shown to be effective so sometimes exercise that- isn't that good Oh, no, no, no. There is papers on that saying compared to other treatments, like exercise is just, you know, pretty much similar to other treatments. Yeah. My argument to that, though, is because, one, I'm biased, so I must say exercise is good, but also just that, well, you get those extra benefits, didn't you? just gets you out moving, yeah. et cetera. Um, what you just said about the tibia, oh, there's a, probably a lot of uh, PTIs in the British Army because shin splints are a really popular thing in the British army. And I'll be honest with you. I've been that guy where I've been trying to load people's tibias on their toes and like doing weights and eccentrics on the yeah. tibia. So that's blown my mind. That's thrown my whole workbook under the bus. Shit. As well though, who, um, who diagnosed them with shin splints? Cause everyone I've got shin. Do you want to know something? Hopefully you won't mind me saying this. Should I tell you about what happened to my client recently? He's a- Go for it. He had a business coach and, um, his business coach was like, you know, team like cold shower every morning, run 50, you know, like. Oh, fuck, here we go. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Like, he took his PT who's never run before and got him doing 15K a week. And um, he was telling me, oh, I've got ankle pain, but I think it's my shoes. And I was like, okay. And um, I was like, you shouldn't be running. But, you know, I'm not there to tell him. I'm doing his yeah. training. If his business coach is saying that, I'm not going to, I'm going to say, but well, I don't think it's appropriate, but he's going to do it anyway. So yeah. I said I don't think you should be doing that. Anyway, he's on about looking into biomechanical issues, his shin splints, his shoes. He actually, I said, I want you. He, then he was like, I've hurt my foot and um, fractured his distal fibula. I said, I want you to go. To, I want you to go to hospital for the X-ray. It wasn't matching up with anything. So this is. Yeah. I think we jumped to so many conclusions, and he was thinking, oh, it's all this it's all that but it was nothing to do with his running gait it was just the fact that he'd never run before and then he was doing 2k every single day doing too much too soon too yeah we've said it time and time again haven't we too much too soon is the biggest culprit it seems to be of like good work i mean self-diagnosis of oh it's just this it takes away it takes away from the actual issue yeah at the end of the day 
Um, I mean, me and Bill have this conversation quite often because we, you know, we see what other kind of coaches are giving their clients, etc. And sometimes it's horrendous. And usually either things are too underdosed or they're too overdosed. They've got to understand that it's a dose-response relationship. And every person, individualization, as we were saying earlier, each person is going to require a different dose. But so often you see people being dosed way too much or way too little. That's what you see <sighs> generally is it's either way too much. You know, like so they'll send, so I see someone deadlifting with a you know curvature in the spine, which is unavoidable anyway. But if it's excessive, is it? That's not an issue that it's an excessive. But what is excessive is the load that you've got them at. Yeah. Usually, if it goes to a certain range, I say usually, sometimes. Let's say sometimes. I don't want to be absolutely certain. But if it goes to like a really excessive range, usually that's a sign that this looks more like an RP9 here or an RP10. Yeah. It's this, <laughs> this is a red flag. <laughs> it's not that the movement itself is bad. It's just that yeah. he's obviously struggling. He or she is obviously struggling. We need to scale it back a little bit here. That's and that's always the thing. It's not that lifting that spine is dangerous. It's just that okay, we can see that you're struggling to get that up. And if it yeah in the general population, is that really necessary or appropriate? I would argue not. Yeah, exactly. If it's someone bending down the flex spine to pick up their car keys, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. If it's a heavy weight, sometimes it might be a sign that they're just doing you know they're, they're struggling a bit especially if they're new yeah obviously even with like experienced people we're still going to flex at some point but at least we build up a tolerance to it yeah and it's like do we really need them like if they're you know when they're like their legs are shaking and it, it's like every, they're vibrating and it's like okay <laughs> yeah. that's not that's not appropriate for kind of sandra this this looks like a bit of a load issue here <laughs> yeah, i'd always say like, so someone sent me a video of um their client deadlifting with a really flexed spine earlier and I said and as well it's exercise selection like why is why do we always need to have this approach why do we need to follow this approach you know is a trap bar deadlift going to be better than a conventional yeah you know is deadlifting off blocks going to be better possibly I mean, I, that's another thing is you do get elitists that say, oh, you should be using a straight bar. And it's like, well, are you a powerlifter? You know, do you need to use a straight bar for a competition? Why not use a trap bar? Why, yeah, why not a black block pull? Uh, I remember when Mark Ripito from Starting Strength caused so much controversy because he was saying the trap bar is a hunk of junk. Now, of course, he's biased because a big part of, you know, Starting Strength is about barbell lifts. But well, it is. It is basically barbell lifts, bread and butter stuff. But it's like unless you plan on doing a competition that involves a straight bar, you know, or there's some kind of specific crossover, do what the fuck you want. If you want to do it with, a, you know, dumbbells, do it with dumbbells. Yeah. If you want to do it with a trap bar, do it with a trap bar. But a lot of people just that dogmatic approach and a lot of elitism involved. It's it, it, it's you know as well you get like this you've got the kind of elitism and that and you've got team functional but I'm I'm argue, I'd argue that a leg press is functional. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Well, look at 
you said about the straight bar deadlift there. Look at the the British Army now. We literally just do trap bar deadlift because it's specific yeah. to the job role. You said that you could say that's functional because it's functional to the job role. And the whole the whole test is a trap bar deadlift. It's not a straight bar deadlift. I mean, it's it's, a, it's supposed to be, it's done with a trap bar, and that's that, that that's what hex bars we call it. But that's, that's because it's specific <laughs> and it's functional to the job role. But you'd have the elitists going, "Oh, shouldn't they just use that?" But then people would be like, "Well, it's the army, aren't they supposed to be like elite fucking tactical athletes?" As some people call them, but they're using a trap bar. So are they not? Are they are they not lifting correctly now? It's like with little old Doris. If I was, you know, she just wanted to get better at picking up her shopping, which tends, to, if her shopping bags are by her sides, you know, yeah. right next to her, I'll get on the trap bar deadlift. Yeah. No one's picking up their shopping right in front of their toes. You know what I mean? Usually it's by your side, isn't it? Yeah. But it's, yeah, he's got a dogmatic, dogmatic uh, approach. Um, I mean, something else I do want to kind of ask is kind of going back to that biopsychosocial biomedical approach so i know our listeners have probably heard me kind of talk about this before but just to kind of give a bit of a rundown when we talk about bio biomedical or biomechanical let's say either way let's say someone's in pain or they're hurt um basically when we say oh they have like a, just a biomechanical or biomedical approach it's basically saying that the reason why you're in pain is something has gone wrong on a physical level there is a there's a, a, a pathological mechanism. Something is broken. The tissue is damaged. It'd be your bones, your fucking, you know, your flesh, whatever. Something is broken. But a biopsychosocial still says that something physical can be wrong, but it goes a little bit further and say that sometimes it could be influenced by other factors. Um, how do you find people tend to react when you try to when you try to say there might be other things influencing their pain or injury? Or that they might think that they're physic that there might be something physically wrong when you might even suspected that they've just been kind of no sabode. It's hard. It, it's not just what's happened in the professional kind of world. It's their cousin who goes to a Cairo. It's their auntie who their, their uncle who can't work now. And as well, you've got to be very careful with your approach because I, if I tell you that this is I could make you believe that I'm just saying it's in your head, which isn't what I yes. It's That's what I was going for. <laughs> it's breaking yeah. down barriers and looking at the big thing. And it's actually asking more questions than telling. So I never really tell. It's just being quite well-informed. and how, like it's, it's really yeah. questioning. But... Um, it's not even just that, oh, I'm stressed and my back hurts. It actually increases nociceptive activity, which causes pain. It's not like, oh, it's just worse because I'm stressed. No, it directly causes pain. You're, turn you're turning the alarm up, basically. Yeah. You're turning the volume for the alarm up. I mean, um, I mean it's, it's kind of like we're not saying it's all in your head. If you're in pain, you are in pain. Pain is a very personal experience, isn't it? Yeah. And no one can tell you otherwise. But what we're just trying to say is that other things can influence it. It's your body's as well natural reaction to protect itself. So like, yeah, you're not moving because you've got this kind of memory of pain, you know, like in repetitive injuries, you know, back pain and yeah. you don't want to move and you're scared and it that's the body's response. So it's over... It's like... I, I, it's like say you, you have someone that's deadlifting and uh, they start rounding just a little bit, a little bit of rounding, and they say, 
fuck, I was, my back's really hurting now. I've, I've rounded my back. They actively tell you that they think that they're hurting because they've been rounding their backs in the deadlifts. Now, we're not saying, if I was to say, if I was to start investigating a bit further and talking about their beliefs and if they're maybe making the situation worse by thinking that the rounded back is bad for them, it's not me necessarily saying to them, oh, like, no, you're not in pain. You're just thinking you are because you think it's bad. Right. You know, you are in pain, but it's just me kind of saying you might have made yourself a little bit more sensitive to that pain because you're because of your beliefs etc um i mean one big problem i have personally and maybe you can help me out here hannah with some advice is i am not the best person when i kind of approach people and try and introduce it gently because as soon as i say it, i already can see in their eyes that they think i'm saying to them you're fucking just imagine all of this it's all in your head yeah this this cunt's just fucking make it sound like a hypochondriac <laughs> um what how do you kind of approach it without asking, you know making it sound like yeah and i'll get them moving i know moving yeah. in a lot of cases isn't like if i was to get a sword over someone with back pain and swipe it they're going to move to dodge that sword. Their back's going to bend. Yeah. And feel any pain at the time. So yeah, it's interesting by looking at it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so generally, I'll try to get them active as possible as soon as possible. And then all the other things, you'll, you'll typically find it, it may have been that the doctor told them they had a disc bulge, that their family goes to the cat, they need something put them back in place, they need something out of alignment. And so it's then like, okay, well, you know, really, does the does the back need putting back in place? And then maybe I might get old Billy out here, and I'll be like, "Is is that is that out of place?" Because I think you'd know about it. And then what I do run through for a little bit of um of reassurance is go through red flags. So just make yeah. sure that they've got bowel and bladder control. And I'll say, you know, these are really important things you don't want to miss, and that they're not getting. Mm numbness when they're sitting down and it's like well that would be quite serious but you've not got that i know some of the guys from barbell medicine have kind of um spoken about their red flags before that kind of link to like an actual physiological mechanism you know behind something that is seriously wrong um i think one of them was things like uh you know like, like vomiting and stuff like that i mean what other red flags are there that off the top of your head you could think of to add into addition of what you just said I'd always go for bowel and bladder, clear that off. Because if you've got a cord or a quina, it's basically where something's compressing the spinal cord at the end. Um, there you go, yeah. But it's extremely rare. So I'll say, yeah. I'll run through some red flags and let's see if this, you know, we need a referral here or let's see what's going on. And that just knowing that they've, well, actually, no, I don't have any ting tingling uh, yeah have loss of sensation you know um that usually does help with reassurance um yeah or you know like unremitting pain you wouldn't want to miss out a tumor you know night pain constant pain but it's just, they it manifests it's got a quite a clear manifestation a lot of time and um then sometimes as well i'll be brutally honest and say it's just going to resolve itself <laughs> Yeah, which the body's good at doing. We're a highly adaptable, you know, organism at the end of the day, aren't we? I mean, this is something that winds me up, is when people compare us to cars, you know. 
if a wheel falls off of a car, it's fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked. But the human body has a tendency to be able to, one, heal itself, and two, if something is actually broken and it's unrepairable, we can actually adapt to that. We adapt. We adapt. And yeah, we can adapt to that. This, this is why I just don't understand it. And we think we have so much more control and power over these things when it really underestimates the complexity of the human body. You know, it is going to resolve. You could do nothing and it will resolve in three months. You don't have to do specific bird dogs and cat cows. You could just go for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the problem, isn't it? People think that those exercises are the magic bullet when it's no different from, as you said, going for a walk. It's it's just go just go for a walk and maybe don't go for a walk. It will heal if there is something going on. It's gonna heal. Disc bulges heal in six weeks. Yeah. Six that, weeks. I actually I saw I saw a paper on that and that really amazed me at the time. Uh, this was around a time that I was kind of really getting into the pain science kind of stuff and learning just how adaptable the body is and looking at that how like the i've got what it's called but where it reabsorbs the disc reabsorbs doesn't it? yeah i was looking at it, i was like fuck that's amazing we are literally like self-regeneration this <laughs> is is amazing and once people realize how adaptable the body is you become a lot more you you build a lot more self-efficacy a lot more faith in what your body's kind of capable of this is why I refuse most uh, arguments for passive therapy. Is that mm. we it takes the power out of your hands? Takes, it takes the power out. We get people submissive to what we're doing to them when we need that self, you know. And if you look at people with pain who've just had passive therapy, or even if they've had no therapy or they've had exercise therapy, sometimes then like the pain's not going to go for two years. So if you're mm. just treating them passively, that's two years that they're not, there's huge barriers to exercise. Yeah. And that the, the house is going to go down. It takes the power and self-efficacy out of the patient's hands. They are submissive. They are a submissive yeah. party in the treatment. They're kind of, they're always relying on that external source then. Yeah. You know. It, it, if you look yeah. at it, I just and most treatment now is active management. And if you look at yeah. people who've had injuries and then they never go back into exercise, their quality of life is going to be horrendous. The runners yes. yeah. get told not to run, and then they might just go get some scraping or uh, something along the tibialis, but they're still not running because they're, they're just having passive treatment. They've got no self-efficacy. Lockdown yeah. term down the line, they're not exercising. Mm. That's not going to have good health consequences. Forget the injury; it's not good for health. So they're not actually adapting. They're not actually building resiliency. They're not actually, yeah, exactly that, making themselves resilient to further pain and injury. They're just relying on short fixes. Would you say reinforced fragility as well? And yes, that ban on yeah. It, it's it's again that we need this treatment. So I, I just don't really, I used to kind of get some people just prefer a bit of passive treatment. Then you get, in, if someone's rubbing your, if, if we know that there's these huge barriers to exercise already, not getting someone to do active management from the beginning, why are they then going to do it when you've been massaging them or rubbing them for six weeks? They're not. Mm. 
No, hundred percent. If we if we, um, if we re- rewind back to the start of that question, I think we've uh, established. What was the question? I, I, I got lost in uh, the conversation there. <laughs> well, it, it was about how um, how she approaches clients. But what it sounds like from what I was listening to um, very deeply was uh, very evidence based. Basically, if you want to work with Tom, but in a female form, that uh, how does the person to go to? Um, I, I like to it. It's fair, basically, uh, a... to be fair, Hannah is actually qualified, and I'm not. So I just want to throw that out there. It seems like a. It was. Um, a compa- I'd, I'll probably put it down to thing. It's a compassionate, evidence-based approach. I am very you, compassionate. That's how. I, that's yeah. My, that's what I was getting from that talk there. It's not me telling you. It's slowly because we've got these dogmatic beliefs, and they you can't. I used to argue with a lot of people on the internet. Like I used to argue with a lot, but I'd never change their mind. So again, if I put that into my clients, if I'm just talking at them, that means nothing to them. So it's listening communicating effectively and then working around it it's asking it's um asking more questions than talking yeah i love it usually if you if you ask the right questions as well they end up usually coming to the conclusion themselves that's what i actually aim for so kind of what you said uh, when you was pointing to billy behind billy bones behind you and you were saying like uh within slipped out of place and he was like does that look like it would slip out of place you know you're kind of making them come to the conclusion themselves. If they're able to come to the conclusion themselves, they're more willing to actually change their beliefs. Whereas if you just, as you said, point them and say, no, 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 you're wrong. This is what you should believe. Then they're humans. We don't like that. <laughs> We're like, no, fuck you. It's, it's not, I'm just, I'm just listening to that. Like, I'm just talking in my own echo chamber because it means nothing to them. And if I listen, then we try, if I ask more questions and say stuff, they're going to come to the conclusion themselves because as well if i say if i say okay you know you've got these five things you can try if i if i said you've got to do all five um they're not what does that mean they're probably not going to do it It as if they said well actually i found that when i was bending over or when i actually got up from my desk to go to the toilet okay so maybe we could try getting up a bit more from your desk yeah just little suggestions so really, it's a really great approach to, to coaching, I think. And obviously, that's why I approached you in the first place to, to join the team. So it's how PT should be: compassionate and evidence based. That I mean, that that should be that should be the, the gold standard. That should be the baseline, not the gold standard. Sorry, that should be the the, the, the standard, the one standard. How you should be. And there shouldn't be like it should it should be only a select few percentage of PTs are that way. All of them should be like that, and that's what we're trying to do anyway. Um, We'll move on to the to, to the fun part now. So we've got some secret questions for you, Hannah. Right, so brace yourself, okay? Literally, brace yourself, spoiler alert. So basically, I've been doing a bit of digging, and what I've found with you is, you, I'd almost argue you're an advocate for it, but it seems that you're a huge fan of Stu McGill and the Big Three. Um, <laughs> I've seen all you, loads of your content. It seems you really love it. The bird dogs, you know, the, the planks. Basically, any, anything to do with Stu McGill, it seems like you're a, a huge fan of. Is that, is that Am I right in saying that, am I? I'm going to annoy the internet. He's got some great work for, for biomechanics, but um, I think then people do get, because biomechanics are important. I think if we only focus on the psychosocial factor, 
we can sometimes forget that, you know, okay. There's a bio aspect to that. (laughs) If we want to as well, if I wanted someone who's had chronic low back pain to start doing movements, I might want to introduce them to that. How have you answered this fucking question so well when it was supposed to be a complete piss take? Because disclaimer, she's not a massive advocate of the big three. But I was expecting you just to go, fuck off, I'm not. But what you've done is you've managed to twist it into some really intelligent answer. This is not fair. I mean, where's get Andy back? Fuck this. this <laughs> no, it's too no, much intelligence on this podcast. Never a yes or no answer from It's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's good, though, because it actually shows. I know this is the thing. I know I fucking rip into stew whenever Stewie because we're mates so I could call him Stew. he loves being called Stew. Stewie whenever I rip on to Stewie you know you know there is a bit of nuance to it and that's pretty much what Hannah's just summed up there is that in the day he has done some good work he has done some good work on biomechanics which is that my 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 problem with Stu McGill is even though he's done some good work on biomechanics he's kind of run with that and come with different conclusions in other places so it's like he's come up with two plus two and you might get four if you look at it from one way, but he's come up with six another way. So, you know, shows a lot on spinal biomechanics. Happy days. But then sh- running with that and saying, oh, so this pretty much shows you that flexion is bad. Full stop. But actually, there's a bit of nuance to that, isn't there? You know, we're adaptable organisms. But say if I've got someone who's terrified of moving their back and maybe I want to introduce some movement to them gently I'm not going to get them to do like you know like do Jefferson kill no I might say do some of your crunches or you know do a bird dog do a dead bug just let's let's just get you over these barriers and fear of movement so fear of movement definitely is good for for someone who's going to power lift and Olympic lifts uh, before their trip. This is what we take these things and then we just apply it on a mass level and we think it's suitable and good. You know what I think as well? I think a lot of coaches use it to make themselves sound smarter. The magic bullet. We've got the big, we've got yeah. the big three here. We're going to get all these stabilizers working. We're going to get your core activated. We're going to get you ready for these massive lifts. And then people are like, yeah, this is fucking brilliant. I want to go fucking get involved with the big <laughs> nothing, three. And then <laughs> nothing switches your glutes on like a, a bird dog. Yeah. And this is it, isn't and it? Just make sure that when you're doing your bird dog, that you're squeezing your glutes tight and your hips aren't rotating out and you're moving at a 3013 tempo. No. Brace that core, Hannah. Brace that core. And if your spine's not a uh, neutral on a bird dog, well, I, I don't know where we can regress from there. To be honest with no you, earn the right to have a spine. Literally. Remove the spine until you feel like you've earned the right to have a spine. <laughs> Just get that fucker Love removed. Um, but I mean, Joe, you know what Hannah? You've, I, I think we kind of spoke about this in DM, didn't we? Actually, and you pretty much summed up my exact thoughts on the big three because. I've had a lot of heated discussions in regards to the big three and people said to me, Oh, you're saying that they're completely useless. And it's like, no, that's not what I've said. But what I've said is people are taking the big three and making them applicable to things where they're not necessarily applicable. Kind of what you said, they're a really good. If you've got someone that's completely terrified of movement. Brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's an extremely low level exercise that you can kind of get someone doing and go, how does that feel? I get my mind. And to be honest with you, I don't think there's anything magical about those exercises as low-level exercises. It's just a simple one to do. To be honest with you, you can have the exact same effect from just yeah, getting someone to walk, as you said. But it's a good way to introduce people to just 
movement and seeing how their spine moves, whether it's in like a neutral position or a like flexed position. Wow. Yeah, exactly. It's an extremely regressed exercise uh, list, basically. People have taken these exercises and said, holy shit, I'm going to use these for powerlifters. I'm going to, as if, you know, a bird dog has any fucking specific capability or carryover to some fuck that's about a rip 300 kg on a squat. And they spent half an hour doing it before they, before they even took That's the, the thing. That's the problem. And when time is a barrier, you're putting this idea into people's heads that, no, no, you're fragile. You need to do these free movements before you earn the right to go into a barbell, which as so we know is... I'm waiting for it to fucking... I'm waiting for it to turn up in the army, mate, before the, before the uh, obstacle course. Get, get your big three done. <laughs> so this is another thing that's going to... That's annoying. At the moment, in the military, the big three have become very prominent. Now, I'm not... You know, we... we PTIs in the British Army are supposed to be training, let's be honest with ourselves here, the next fucking generation of killers at the end of the day. You know, especially in regards to infantry, the infantry's job is to engage and destroy the enemy. You know, you're supposed to be a tough bastard. And the, the British Army in its training has kind of gone the right direction in regards to it starting to do lots more strength and conditioning as opposed to just running blokes up hills over and over again until they vomit. Hey, Bill, um, I'm sure you're still doing that, Bill, you personally. But at the moment, somehow these activation exercises have creeped their way into the tactical athlete setting. So police, soldiers, military, etc. Do we need to make these tactical athletes feel that fucking fragile that these movements are going to be carrying over to them? If they're injured, if they're injured, fair enough. Maybe we could do it as a low level. It's completely different, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. But saying to people, and this is the worst thing, if people prefer to warm up that way and it's just, they prefer to do it, you know, whatever. But I don't like the idea that you these are non-negotiable ac- activation exercises. It's language as well, because it, what is the opposite of activation? What's the opposite of deactivation? And if they were if you if you were deactivated, you'd be You'd collapse on the floor. It, That's the thing, it's like how did you get to it, oh, I don't think my spine is activating or my glutes are activating. How did you get to the gym? Did you walk from the door to the squat rack? Yes. Good news, it's activated. (laughs) I don't think people understand how important language is when we're talking about things. And Oh, God. You know, they may as well just sit on a foam roller for 40 minutes. And this is this is my worry, especially in a tactical athlete setting. So yeah, police, military, firefighters, etc., is these are not people we want to be giving this narrative to, making them feel fragile, especially when, you know, we know we were talking earlier about like uh, their work-life load, like their schedules, etc., are very all over the place, like shift work, as we were saying earlier. It's the same in these kind of settings. They're not going to have time to do these non-negotiable warm-up exercises. I, I hate the idea of throwing it out there. Well, we said about language there. I was taking a, um, a PT session, I think it was a couple of days ago, and I blew their mind. Because I, I normally sit by the desk, I don't normally take the session, but I was taking a session, and um, at the end of it, I went, okay, guys, we're not going to do what every other fucking session you do. You Because everyone, the army stances after a PT session, you Stretch. do stretching, which we know is fucking ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, I'm fully aware of that. So I said to them, guys, what we're going to do, we're going to go for a little walk, a bit of active recovery. You've got a test, you've got a fitness test tomorrow. We're going to make sure we get some good recovery in instead of doing a stretch off. And some of their minds were like, what? 
what? And I was like, right, as we were walking around, I was talking to some of them. Some, one of them went, but if I don't stretch off after a run, I feel really sore. And I said, I said, okay. I said, right, I want you to try this. Next time you go for a run, don't do anything. I said, see if there's any difference. I said, the likelihood is you're either doing too much or you're not periodizing your running or there's numerous factors I basically went into why you could be feeling sore. I said, I guarantee you it's not because you've stretched. Not stretching. You might have that... You might have a placebo effect of because you feel like you've stretched. That's the issue of language because because everyone's been told throughout training in the army that part of the cool down is a stretch. If you don't then stretch them off, they assume that they're going to be sore and they're not going to be recovered. However, that's not we know that's not the case because stretching is fucking pretty much pointless. This is my issue with activation is that if they did get injured mm. or, you know, something happens in their session, they, they, deadlift, they could deadlift a really inappropriate load, as people do, and they may get injured or they could and then they'd say i didn't warm up just because i didn't activate so when like they, they if they didn't do these things or if they compared it to someone who um say someone who didn't warm up gets an injury or whatever comparing it to someone doing these fancy 40 minute drills they'll say that that's that's because i didn't warm up that you, you see that a lot yeah I didn't do this activation and i didn't do this and i didn't do that and, it's like, and then you're kind of, then you're kind of taking the focus away of things that are more likely to cause that discomfort, you know, such as load management or fatigue. You know, instead you've placed the blame on these uh, activations and warm ups, and oh god, it's it's all so tiring. It really fucking is. I can't wait to leave this earth. It's it's just boring <laughs> to be honest as well. Like it, that as well. It just saps the life out of you. My my walk so at the moment I am a basic bitch. I am an SBD man. I squat, I bench, I deadlift, I go home. The moment I walk through that door, I throw my stuff into the staff room. I go to squat rack. I grab the barbell and I start doing my movements with just a barbell. Yeah, and that is it. I do. That is it. Now don't get me wrong. If I had some form of severe limitation that I can't even squat with just a barbell. Okay, maybe I'd want to increase my flexibility or mobility acutely. Um, but, you know, if I've got, if there's no problem, don't fix something that ain't broke. No. Basically. Don't. And I'm just going to go under there and start warming up. Zip. In populations up. as well, what do we really need to spend 15, 20 minutes warming up? You know, do you, do you just need a little bit of blood flow to the muscles? Do you need to maybe warm up a movement pattern by doing a movement pattern? How do you how do you uh, build mobility and flexibility uh, for the squat? Squats. How do you activate those muscles? Just you just squat. You just squat. Uh, wasn't there a? It wasn't there a paper. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there a paper recently which showed the difference between uh, flexibility improvements via static stretching and resistance training in that movement? Wasn't it basically saying that the res- I think it was either said it was the equivalent or it was actually better to do the resistance training movement than actually based like stretching. For flexibility in that, do you get, do you get what I mean? I think it was something on the pretty much like it was the same, the same effect, but yeah, the same. Getting, that's what I thought. Yeah, you're getting more bang for your buck. Yeah, of course, you're doing the movement anyway. So you might as well. <laughs> uh, a lot yeah. of people need to, like, the general population need to realize that you know, weight training is flexibility training, yeah, yeah. it is mobility training, and the general population don't kind of realize that you can get stronger and more flexible. I think there's the argument, um, that stretch training uh, again who's this applicable to not the general population let's be honest but, um 
strength training for flexibility may increase muscle tendon stiffness and mm. static stretching will de decrease it and make that more flexible but again who's that really important to and yeah. when people do static stretch, they, I think they do it for all the all the wrong tempos, all the wrong. That's the thing. It's not the right. We're position. not. I'm not saying that it's. I'm not going to. I want to kind of go back earlier, Bill. So I wouldn't say that static stretching is completely useless. It's just kind of mirroring my thoughts off of Hannah here, and that is um, that the general belief about what it does and what it's applicable for, I think, is misunderstood. So it has got its uses. But, you know, especially for like specificity, if you want to get good at doing the splits, don't get me wrong, you are probably going to be best off doing a static stretch with a load. But, um, you know, and yeah, static stretching. But people seem to think it's a magic bullet for a lot of things. And it does so things that you might not necessarily like 10, do. They're not even holding it for the right duration of time. So, yeah. It, it, but again, if I wanted to increase flexibility in someone, I'm not going to get them static stretching because, but then again, that's my bias is that it's quite boring. and yeah <laughs> do we really need this do we really need to break is is that a really priority thing that we like okay well it's actually going to decrease the tendon stiffness no it's so what getting them to one one thing we one thing we use it for in our uh, program so on the primal life program which is like a low level four days a week you know pretty I mean, it's some of the workouts obviously difficult, but it's, it's all based on your own ability. On a Wednesday, I think it is, if you do it for like the actual split, there's like a link to a YouTube playlist, which is stretching. But the way that's made for is it's more to make people feel good because if you yeah. do, if you do like a long, if you do a long stretching routine where you hold these stretches for one, two, three, four minutes, etc., you can feel really good afterwards. Like mentally, you can feel really relaxed. You can feel, and then the end, it's you feel nice. And the, that's that's the idea of those set. I don't go in there and call it a recovery stretching session. I basically just say it's a stretching session because I know I've done it. I mean, I'm in the videos most of the time, but I do it because okay, I feel good. It makes me feel quite nice. I'm not going in there with the assumption that it's going to do anything magic, but at the end, sometimes in midweek, come to Wednesday, it's nice to have a bit of mental relaxation, a bit of physical relaxation, um, just to sort of de-stress a little yeah. bit. And I think that's important as well. Then you probably increase in parasympathetic activity as well. So, you know, that's gonna, mm. that's what a lot of people need, you know, calming down. So, that, yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Because what do you do when you tend to do static stretching as well? You tend to control your breathing as well. Yeah. You know, it's like it's yes, meditation absolutely. at the end of the day, isn't it? So kind of you said there, like parasympathetic system, nervous system, you know, like, uh, yeah, you kind of like a bit of meditation really, isn't it? It's, you know, I'm not saying, you know, static stretch is completely useless, just that it's misunderstood uh, in regards to its applicability. Um, yeah. And, but, uh, you know, I'm, when I'm uh, when I'm at work and I'm just standing around and I'm I'm on shift and I'm supposed to be actually doing cleaning or something and I'm not you know every now and again I might bend down and stretch my hamstrings you know I'm not there going oh I'm increasing my flexibility or I'm doing it for a very specific reason it's just sometimes it's just a sensation feels nice especially if I've got DOMS you know just just feels nice I don't think it's going to be the cure but it just feels nice it changes the sensation. You just reminded me of something there, Tom. Um, one of the guys who's on the life program, he messages me all the time whenever he does it. He's like, oh, it's Wednesday. It's time for some ASMR, Bill. And I'm like, here we fucking go. Because I normally like talk over the videos. And obviously I don't, I talk in a quite a, a low key voice <laughs> because it's meant to be relaxing. And he always goes, yeah, time for some ASMR, Bill. Wednesday. You must keep calm. I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
But we'll move on to the to another secret question there. So this one is in line with the fact that this episode is basically being the Tom and Hannah show, um, or you could argue it's the the I don't know the Tanner or the Hannah. Oh, Tanner! I spit the name. The Tanner show is good because because you're so, you're so closely linked. But oh, this is going to be the ultimate test to find out if you really are the same person. So Hannah, what I want to know is what are your thoughts on birds? What are your thoughts sure. on birds? Is it like the, the aviation creatures? What comes to your mind when you think of birds? Blue tits. Blue tits. Blue tits. I think we've um, concluded that you're different. Yeah, I think I think we've concluded you're different people there because um, Tom, Tom, when I've, whenever we ask, uh, we'll talk about birds with Tom, he comes out with that they're not real. They're no, robotic look. drones run by the government. Right. Last year, I found out about this massive movement where this guy basically proved that birds are not actually real. Well, they were real, but it was all killed off uh, by the US government in the 60s. And since then, anything we thought was a bird since, um, I'm not sure about turkeys, actually, but ones that tend to fly are actually like miniature government drones. And there's several facts to prove this. Like, one, you never see a baby pigeon. Uh Two, when you tend to see, I can see you thinking, I've never seen a baby pigeon. Uh, the fact is, no, you have not Can you identify a baby pigeon if you saw one? Stop being too smart, Hannah. Like? That's a bit of a weird one. What would a baby pigeon actually look like? You don't know if you've seen one. What, what are you assuming is in the nest? Are you jumping to conclusions here? Cable, She's docking station. A docking station. Uh, but like a like, there's a reason why they tend to hang on power lines as well, and that's because they've got to charge the batteries. Yeah. Uh, so COVID was a hoax. COVID was a hoax so that we could stay inside while the government took all the birds to actually change their mechanisms. Um, I'm not on board. We get we get the robins. I, I can I can name a few birds, but I don't think they're robots. Yeah, she's not buying it, Tom. Unfortunately, mate. We I think we have confirmed that you two are not the same person because. He is so convinced that this is the case that, um, yeah. Maybe like Terminator where they're like living tissue, so they're adaptable, so they're not quite like a, a biopsychosocial bird. I don't I don't know. Fuck, I'm getting way overboard here. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not convinced. You're far too smart for his conspiracy theories, I think. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I was wrong about that. Maybe birds are real. Maybe they are real. I think on that note, we've been going for quite a while. Now. Has anyone got any further points to add to the um, the Tanner show? The only uh, thing I was going to ask, but to be honest with you, it got asked ages ago and it was kind of to do with pain. Is it all in our head? <laughs> and I think we kind of summed up that maybe a little it bit. Depends. <laughs> it, dep- it depends. It depends. Oh, like, fuck's sake, you two are literally the same person. Literally everything, it depends. I hate it when someone asks you something and they just want... They expect you to give them a black and white answer and you go, well, it depends. And you can see the life drain from their eyes. Like you, they was expecting the magical answer from you, but it's true. It depends. You'll never get a black or white answer from me. You'll never, um, I'll never. When, it just, when would, when would we get a black and white answer from you? If you're asking for like cats. I was going, oh, you're supposed to say depends, but you know, yeah. <laughs> but no, you could have gone, oh, it depends. But, um, no, the, I think when, Everything like we always, everything's so polarized, and you get so many things. And the grey area was the biggest part, and I think that's what people don't really look for. And it's easy yeah. to get, you know, you've got confirmation biases, and this supports my view system, that doesn't, so I'm going to oppose it. When really, we need to step back and think, what is this? 
who does this apply to? What is the grey area? Where's the nuance? Yeah. I mean, one 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 serious thing I would like to kind of ask is in your in in your words, how would you describe to the general population, like our listeners, how would you describe pain to them? How would you describe pain to them? It's an individual experience, you know. I, I can't describe it because, you know, um, like I thought I fractured my scaphoid, you know, yesterday, uh, two days ago, and I had all that I was catastrophizing it because I had <laughs> I had pain on the anatomical snuff box, pain on palpation, and just obviously with that that I would rule uh, you'd want to rule that out. So I went and literally my pain experience was. It was an eight out of ten when it happened. Um, when I went and got my X-ray, then went to a six out of ten. Now it's my hand is like black; it's really swollen, but I've got zero pain, and I couldn't even move it the day I did it. But now I've got full function. So how I react to pain, having this knowledge and this optimism and these circumstances, versus that if that per- if someone else was put in this splint at the hospital and didn't think to take it off, and they immobilised themselves, they could be my zero out of 10 could be their 10 out of 10 yeah so that's the thing isn't it is pain is individualized and everyone reacts to it differently because it is very individualized but it we can all react to it differently because we have different beliefs about it different perceptions about it and it can influence it on a physical level what we're actually feeling basically but it is individual is the key point there so my pain might not be your pain and someone else's might not be my pain, etc. It is individual. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. totally different. And you don't want to pain-splain someone because I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what that means to you, you know. again, Pain-splain. That's what's happening to them. So it's how can I support this person in front of me? How yeah. can we? How can we find ways to overcome these barriers? And what is their goal? Do I do I if someone just wants to have less back pain? Do you know? Do I really need to get them Jefferson Curling because I know that's this 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 is, or do I just need to get them a bit more fit active because that's what they want to achieve out of pain? Hmm. Are they coming? To, no, that's awesome. Are they coming to me for specific pain treatment, even in exercise in the gym, or do they want to work on other aspects of fitness? You know, is improving their cycling time more important to them than managing their low back pain it's all we always need to listen rather than jump to our own conclusion speaking of conclusions i think that's a very nice conclusion there uh it is hope you everyone's enjoyed the uh hope everyone's enjoyed the tanner show this week it's been a uh, very interesting for me to, to listen to all the knowledge bombs um remember if you do want to work with Hannah on a one-to-one basis there'll be links down in the show notes for how you can do that in our little consultation box if you just request to work with hannah i'll make sure that your consultation form goes straight to her and then you can speak to her if you want to work with her directly. Um, and as you can, as you can, as you probably heard, she's obviously a very good coach. I'm actually thinking about filling out the consultation box myself and then paying myself to do that, <laughs> to do that because it sounds very good. But no, on a serious note, thank you very much for, for joining us. It's been really good. It was uh, I think awesome Tom's loved having you, someone Hannah, yeah. so similar to him. Yeah, I think, I think Tom, you enjoy this more than anyone else. Um, uh, mate, you know, this is, it's very rare. I think this is actually the second time. No, sorry, the third time because um, I, I learned a lot from Duncan about coffee. Uh, I could do a, oh, I could do a coffee plug <laughs> there, Bill. Uh, you, oh, well, if you love coffee, Hannah, you can buy the UK's most caffeinated beverage, Cannibal Coffee, using our discount code PRIMAL10 for a 10% discount. I will have discount. to do that. 
that was smooth as fuck, wasn't it? I love that was a smooth little ad. Um, but Risky no, I mean, bad. this is a this is like one of the rare occasions where I've I've I feel like I've just been schooled in a good way, in like an awesome way. Uh, and yeah, I really appreciate that, Hannah, because usually I've got to pay people to teach me stuff, you know. And uh, you know, maybe that's what we do, Bill. This could just be like a, a, a free way for us to actually just like uh, get educated instead of paying for stuff. Instead of paying for people's labours, you know, we could just get it for free and say that it's for a podcast. I think you should do that. That's a good business venture. Yeah. Don't impress the cold. Just tell them we are. Yeah. Zebo them. Make them think yeah. we're recording. Zebo. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea, Tom. Yeah. Um, yeah thank you. It's a pleasure as always. Um, and I'll speak to you all very, very soon. Fab. Goodbye. Bye-bye. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the uh, Tanner show there. Uh, I literally felt like I was sitting in an educational seminar, but in all seriousness, I just want to echo something from the end there. So if you do want to work with Hannah on a one-to-one basis, then you can check out the show notes or you can head directly to trainprimal.co slash sign up, or you'll be able to find a little consultation box. And if you ask for Hannah in there, she will directly receive your consultation and hopefully you'll be working together very soon. Obviously, she only has limited slots for this service, so depending on when you hear this, she may already be booked up. Also remember that as our one-to-one coaching fees are significantly higher than our community-based programs, for obvious reasons uh, you can imagine, you can actually split these costs monthly. And if you jump onto a free consultation, these things can all be discussed and basically trying to find the best solution for you as a person, as an individual. So we will see you next week, same time, same place for a brand new episode. See you soon.